everybody. This is Michael Sadler, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, the podcast with great conversations about great music. This is episode number 47, and for this episode, I spoke with Saga frontman Michael Sadler. I've been a fan of Saga for a long time, and it was a big honor to find myself face-to-face via Zoom with Michael himself. He's also fronting a brand new band called Project, P-R-O-G-J-E-C-T, Project, the ultimate progressive rock experience. Project is about to hit the road in the United States to pay tribute to the classic songs and bands of the genre. Bands like Genesis, Yes, ELP, Pink Floyd, Rush, Gentle Giant, and others. Michael told me all about Project, how it came about, and what fans can expect. I also spoke to him about the making of the 40-year-old saga classic, Worlds Apart. Hard to believe it's been that long. We spoke about his solo album, Clear, and some of his collaborations with other artists as well. It was a blast talking to Michael. I had a great time. And it was fun getting the info straight from the man himself. Okay, let's get to that interview. Here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I'm very excited to have with me today someone who's best known as the lead vocalist for the band Saga, Michael Sadler. Thanks for your time today, Michael. My pleasure. Hi. Hi. So you've got a brand new project uh, that you're a part of called Project. And this is uh, the ultimate prog rock experience and i can't wait to to find out more about that i just saw your tour dates came out and i am lucky enough to be near i think your last tour date um in largo florida is not too far from where i am so i'll be checking that out in april but i want to start out by doing something i normally do at the start of the show and that's asking you what was the what was the first record that you ever owned the monkeys really the the first one the the first one. Oh yeah 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 awesome i mean I, I was in love with the show i thought the tv show was amazing um you know at that time it was just one of those it, it just worked everything about it worked and i liked the music too the songs were great it was it tommy boyce and bobby hart i think wrote the majority of the songs but um yeah and uh, i mean enough that that i i, I think it uh, if i'm not mistaken i had a paper route at, at the time or something like that and i had my own money and mm-hmm. I used my own money to go down to the record shop when it came in, and I physically bought uh, the Monkeys album. So that's terrific. I um... that explains my 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 interest in Prague. <laughs> yes, it really does. <laughs> it's I a actually... natural progression. <laughs> I stole my parents' copy of that uh, album, so I had oh, it really? too. <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. And again, I was a fan of the show, and I I always. I always, I don't know about you, I gravitated toward the Mike songs. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Did you have I, a favorite? I, was, I, 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 not really. I, they just all, I don't know. It was just really good songwriting, good, good pop songs with, mm-hmm. there's something different about it. You know, the, it, it cut through the, through the, uh, the fray as it were at the time. I, I just remember it catching my attention. So did you get a chance to see Mike and, and Mickey on the last tour? I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I wish I had. Wish yeah. I had. All right. So the Progject, uh, the, this thing, it's, it's you. It's keyboardist Rio Akimoto from Spock's Beard, guitarist Jason Beeler from the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra and Saigon Kick, bassist 
Matt Dorsey from Sound of Contact and In Continuum, and drummer Jonathan Mover from GTR and has played with Joe Satriani. How did Michael Sadler get involved with Project? I, uh, through, um, through a connection that I have uh, a friend and, and someone in the, in the business, uh, the media part of the business uh, in, uh, in Jersey, uh, contacted me one day and said that someone, uh, if I would take a call from, from someone named Jonathan Mover, I didn't know Jonathan before this. And mm. um, I got the call and Jonathan and I spoke and he, this is his brainchild. It's something he's always wanted to do. And um, I think he was sitting with um, the other gentleman and, and uh, he, he was, he was telling him about his idea. And he said, well, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to figure out who for a vocalist. And um, uh, he, <laughs> the guy said, what about Michael Sadler? And he goes, Oh, I, I don't think he would do it. You know, that'd be great, but I don't think he would do it. Um, he said, well, he says, why do you know him? He says, well, yeah, I've got his number. So um, we, we chatted and Jonathan explained the whole thing to me. It sounded really cool. Uh, it's a real labor of love. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not a tribute band. It's a tribute mm -hmm. to the genre, as it were, uh, and just paying homage to our, our peers, you know, the, the songs that, that affected us growing up and that. But he explained it all to me and I said, sounds great. Um, let me know, you know, as it goes forward. Uh, he told me uh, who else was going to be in the band. And I knew Rio from before I knew Matt. Um, I didn't know Jason, but um, we all got together in the first uh, rehearsal. And it's like we'd known each other forever. I mean, we're all, you know, we all been around the block a few times. And uh, we all we all get along really. We all, you know, from day, from the minute we started recording or uh, rehearsing, it was just, you know, this is a family already. And it was really weird because, you know, a couple of us had only met for the very first time in that room. So oh. it's, 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 it's good. It's, it's fun. It's, it's challenging. I mean, some of the songs, especially the yes stuff, because I mean, you're dealing with John Anderson, who's like a freak of nature when it comes to yeah. his voice. Um, and I wasn't sure, you know, and, and uh, it was the toughest one, maybe psychologically uh, had something to do with it, but I, I discovered that I did have the range. Uh, it kind of surprised me. Um, and not just being able to hit the you know the, the notes range wise, but to be able to deliver the performance. And I listened to it after we had done it. And I thought, oh, sounds it sounds okay. <laughs> I'm getting away with it, you know. There so, you go. But, uh, so uh, yeah, you you guys have some clips online, and it seems yeah. to be, you know, it's a it's a great mixture of all of the who's who of progressive rock. Yes, Genesis, ELP, 
more, more of the classic the early years yeah. right king crimson pink floyd rush what is your progressive rock origin story how did you sort of get interested in the genre that's gentle giant's fault um my, one of the first bands I was in, the first serious band, uh, I was, gosh, I guess I was about 17 or so, and I, I joined this band, which was a blues band at the beginning. Um, three guys, three men, a blues band. And I was fresh out of the church choir and uh, and uh, basically left home, left the church choir and, uh, and joined a rock band all at the same time, and school, and uh, just went for it so anyway we were um uh, a blues band that transitioned basically into a uh, well i came home uh, from work one day and and the guy said we got a surprise for you downstairs in the rehearsal room and i said what is it uh he said, well come and see is there any, there's a piano sitting there i said why we why is there a piano he said well we had a meeting and we decided that we should have piano in the band to help you know with some we could do more tunes if we have a piano i said okay well Who's going to play? You're going to. I said, "Well, you are." And I went, uh, "Are you are you aware of the fact that I don't know how to play piano?" He said, "You'll learn." <laughs> okay. Anyway, we uh, that was my introduction to keyboards, and uh, that that uh, blues band transitioned to a kind of jazz bl jazz blues blues jazz uh, funk kind of thing, more towards the jazz and then rock and and so it was leaning towards. The inevitable gentle giant which is is that kind of fusion of, of of things but i'd never heard anything like it before the drummer went into toronto one day in the big city and came back with uh, the album three friends and he said michael you got to listen to this so we just put side one on not a word turned it over put side two on and i just remember when it finished i just looked into him and i said i don't know what that is but I want to make music like that. I want to start writing music like that. I have no idea <laughs> what it is, but it's really cool. And uh, yeah, and and that 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 changed everything for me. Yeah. So, what is it about the prospect of singing these classic songs that appeals to you as an artist? Um, the challenge, first of all, uh, you know, because what you, what I'm dealing with as a singer, as an instrumentalist, you can learn the parts and you can you know, bring as much of yourself into it as possible, but it's not original material. So there's not a lot of wiggle room uh, as an instrumentalist. You've got to pretty much play the parts uh, mm -hmm. because you're trying to be as authentic as possible, obviously. But as a vocalist, it's tricky because uh, it's not like being a, 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 say, Bon Jovi tribute band or an ACDC tribute band. You, they look for a singer that sounds like the guy and, mm -hmm. and hopefully looks a bit like the guy. This is all different singers. So... The challenge for me is is not to you know sound like each one of the original singers, but to do it my way uh, and still deliver the same perform you know the same notes and the same melodies. So, yeah, it was it, it was challenging, and I had I did have some say in 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 uh, you know some input to the set list and the songs that we're playing, uh, specifically uh, Rendezvous Six Hundred Two, and uh, I'd always wanted to do a really uh, I mean a really good version of Squonk and we're doing squat and i i was like yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean uh you know for me it was the it was the the idea of the challenge of, of tackling these songs and you know songs that i really love you know uh, to listen to much less perform and having the chance to sing them is, is pretty cool
So based on this, uh, the, the videos that are online, these seem like they're they're very faithful covers, but they're not necessarily exactly, uh, you know, perfect copies. Uh, not just because of the vocals, but because you know it, it, each in instrumentalist puts their own. Of course, of course. Personality. Yeah, into yeah. It. I mean, yeah. You could take three guitarists and tell them to learn a part, and they'll each play the notes. But you can tell there's a difference in. I mean, to the untrained ear. Yeah, he's playing, it always sounds the same. No, it doesn't. There's a different, slightly different feel to when he plays it or when he plays it or when he plays it. Same notes, but there's mm -hmm. going to be a different feel to it. And you combine the, those five different personalities. And yeah, it, it, it uh, becomes out, uh, you know, everybody <laughs> puts their, their own feel into it. So no, they're not exact copies. Instrumentally, note-wise, yeah because you want to, you know, that's the idea of, of doing the, uh, the the tribute, as it were, but, uh, right. yeah, or the cover. You know. So how did, you mentioned that you brought Squonk and Rendezvous 602 into the set. How was the set list sort of shaped? Was it, was were there nominations? Did you kind of pick and no, choose? It, no, it, it really was. I mean, it, you know, we all had a, a, a a chance to say yes no uh blah 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 really as i said this this was uh, jonathan's uh brain brainchild he, he was the brainchild or it was his baby <laughs> uh he came up with the whole concept and that so it, pretty much he came up with the the set list and these are the songs i'm thinking of of doing and nobody objected or anything and he said if anybody has any input is that at that point that's when i said i'd love to do rendezvous uh because i had a, a connection with john wetton um uh and it's just a beautiful song i remember the first time john actually um toured with saga uh we did a european tour with john and it but it was just john and an acoustic guitar mm -hmm. and it was magical he would get up there and and just do his 45 minutes or 15 minutes set just acoustic guitar and it was just mesmerizing but i remember i was not familiar with rendezvous 602 prior to that tour and the first night he played it i was kind of backstage or at the side of the stage and i was like wow this is this is a gorgeous song um and melody lyrics the whole bit and i it, it affected me so much i made a point of going out front um during the, his set every night to hear that song specifically so um when i was asked if there's any songs that i'd love to do i said you know if we can i'd like to try and tackle rendezvous and rio plays it beautifully i mean and the Again, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, doing exact covers and that, but but the individual players bring their own thing to it. So mm -hmm. when 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 I perform uh, Rendezvous 602 with Rio, it's a, a, a push and pull thing. We, we, we play off each other. We wait for each other. We, we, we feel it out. So the timing is as we feel it. It's very it's, it's a very organic uh, way to do it. And it's great. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and same thing with Squonk. I'd always, I, Squonk was just one of those songs that I remember the first time I heard it, I thought, 
Yeah. And I thought Genesis is getting heavy now. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and more rocky, you know, but uh, I always wanted to to do a cover of it. My first thought about Squonk years ago if was if I was going to do one, I was going to do it like a, a really revamped, slightly different, like with power guitars mostly and almost no keyboards and mm -hmm. treat it like that way. But then this came along, the, the uh, you know, the chance to do the song at period. And I thought, yeah, I, yeah that's, let's let's do Squonk if we can. So the tour was just announced. How long has it been since you've done a tour with, you know, with the pandemic uh, being yeah. what it is? The last time we were on stage, well, last time I was on stage with Saga was uh, beginning of 2020. Right. We, we were on tour when it hit the fan. And um, as a matter of fact, this is how close it was. We had, I believe, four shows left. We were in Holland. We were in the Netherlands at the time. And we were going to be playing this great club in Zudemir, um, everybody plays. And like I say, we, we had really re had done a, a great tour, very successful, the fans were wonderful. We had four shows to go and this happened. And I had to skedaddle back to the States as fast as possible because the, um, the quarantine flights coming in was about to, I flew in. I think one of the last flights coming in before it took place, and I scrambled to get, you know, change my ticket and that had to cancel, mm -hmm. obviously, the last four shows. And that was that was <laughs> that was a fun story coming in. I think about. Well, first of all, it's Chicago Airport. Now, at any given day on any, you know, <laughs> if you have four or five international planes landing at the same time at Chicago Airport, immigration can be. It can test your patience, let's put it that way, you know, uh, and endurance or whatever. But now you've got all these planes coming in and they've got a protocol right after you go through of the testing. So now everything's backed up because it slowed the whole process down. I think it took me about six hours from the time we touched down till, till I walked out outside. It was a great experience. I, I was taking photos and, and I posted them and, and uh, even AP said, can we use your photos? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was, it was that fresh. So it's been since, the, you know, the very beginning of, uh, of 2020. So. so you're getting ready to hit the road. Are these shows going to oh, yes. be... Are they going to be recorded? Are you going to have a live album from Project? I don't know if we would we'd venture into that territory on the first one. We may record simply for our reference, you know, um, because it's brand new and fresh. And uh, I mean, we're, we're suddenly realizing, you know, we put the whole thing together and we rehearsed and we did the videos and stuff. And we're all excited and it's sounding good and everything's feeling great. And I was talking to Jonathan yesterday and I was like, man, we're going to be actually on stage doing this. And we suddenly went, oh, my God. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I think eventually it's inevitable that we'll do some kind of recording and, and, and video. 
Um, at the beginning, it will be for our reference, I'm sure, until we really fine tune it in that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would I would think that somewhere down the line, there'll be some some live footage and, and recordings. I don't want to get ahead so. of myself or anything or ahead of yourselves. But, you know, now that you guys are getting ready to hit the road and, and do this set list, have there been any discussions about what you might do next time out? Is that is it too premature <laughs> for that? <laughs> um uh probably a little bit premature but i mean but having said that i am because of what we you know we've done the set now we know what the set's pretty much going to be having said that it's made me think of all these other tunes i'd love to do so there's no shortage of songs we'd like to do and everybody you know has input like your what's your favorite what you know what song has always affected you because that's what it's all about you should have some kind of personal connection to the songs yeah uh, because that's why we're doing this Apart from just the fun factor, it's it's great. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's I'm already thinking. I'm, I've got a list of songs <laughs> that you know I'm going to present. So there's we are there... we are we are we are doing a Gentle Giant song, which is cool. So. Great. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to tease us or or do you want to tell us nope. what it is? No. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you guys not, know not not the one I probably would have chosen if you'd left that to me. Okay. You, now I, I know you guys are doing some instrumentals. There's some songs that on the videos Matt and Jason are singing. What does Michael Sadler do when someone else is singing or it's an instrumental? What do you what do you do? Where do you go? Uh, well, when Matt does uh, Salisbury Hill, I play bass. Okay. I, I play a little keyboard here and there. Not a lot. Uh, Rio's got that covered pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, I just supplement in a couple of the uh, a couple of the songs. Uh, if I have nothing else to do, I would probably just leave the stage or I'm not going to pick up a tambourine. It's not that kind of music. <laughs> Get the crowd going, you know. Um, if it's a song that I'm not involved with, I would just, you know, take a break and uh, relax. Yeah, Rio's kind of a one-man orchestra. <laughs> he, he, can, he can be, yeah. yeah. It's only when, when he realized that if there's a part that he just, he's only got two hands that he can yeah. have. Much the same with Jim Gilmore and Saga. If, if if he if there's a part you know that that it requires a third or fourth hand, it, it's usually me. So. Yeah. So Saga was always sort of a, a hybrid between a, a pop and prog rock band. Was that something that you specifically brought to the band, or was it the, a group interest? I think that was a, a, a natural thing that happened. I mean, you've got uh, Jim and I kind of from a you know, the early progressive uh, influence. Ian was in a. It wasn't a Led Zeppelin copy band or cover band, but it, it was he was playing in a band that was playing material like that, more of the hard rock stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Steve was strictly I mean, he came from an R&B background um, and 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 Daryl was classically trained. So you put all those things together and you 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 come up with, I guess, what people call the saga sound. It was not intentional. Um, it was very it was just a natural uh, thing that that progressed or, or started out that way one thing that we did make sure of uh, and still to this day uh if we're putting together um, a new song or working on new material if anybody in the room if any of the five of us say oh that reminds me of such and such oh okay well we can't do that so we will not use that part doesn't matter how great the part is if it reminds any of us of something else we don't use it and also anything goes i mean uh uh, you know, I mean, just short of doing an out and out country and western song, or that we're not we're not uh, shy of of trying new things, as mm -hmm. as people have seen over the years. We've kind of you know done this and that, 
And I think you've got to do that. I think you can't just do the same record over and over and over, uh, just changing the titles and the lyrics a little bit. But uh, I won't mention any bands that do that because um, <laughs> uh, I don't talk like you know, about others that way. But yeah. um, no, I, we we uh, we we you you're right though. We fall into that that this kind of gray area. We're not quite hard rock enough for the the rock audience, and not quite prog for the like the. The really pure prog, the ethereal, the you know that that more meandering, walking through the forest and the elves and that kind of thing, uh, prog. So, uh, I mean, those are the two extreme, uh, uh, you know, Motorhead on this side and that kind of stuff on the other side. Yeah. It's somewhere in the middle. So, uh, but we have enough of these fans, of the rock fans that come over, enough of the prog fans that come over, and, and that's what we end up with. This kind of hybrid uh, of the two. So. So I want to talk a little bit about Worlds Apart for a minute. This uh, album came out in 81 and, and just over 40 years ago. So this this is, I mean, that seems incredible to me. I'm sure it seems unbelievable to you as well. <laughs> when, when, when we hit our 10th anniversary, I thought, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, obviously it's the band's most commercially successful album. The two big hits, On the Loose and Wind Him Up. As a musical performer, when you guys are in the studio writing this thing, does it feel any different than the earlier albums that came before it? In a way, uh, again, it was a natural thing, and I don't know what happened, but it, a lot of it has to do sometimes when you're writing new stuff, what everybody's uh, uh, been been influenced by, uh, what's happening in your, your personal life and this kind of thing. So, uh, again, unintentional, but I, but I do remember feeling like there was something special about what we were doing at that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole environment, the, the fact that we've changed to working with Rupert and Stephen Taylor, and we suddenly find ourselves in England, living together in a house, putting together the material, and just working it and working it, like deciding on which songs uh, ahead of time, instead of going to the studio and saying, well, let's record 15 and choose the best nine or 10 or whatever. Uh, we've got specific and said, this is going to be the album, it's going to be these songs. Mm -hmm. And just we just worked them and worked them and worked them. Uh, so really, uh, what happened was we ended up getting into the studio, and and it was more. There was no rehearsal in terms of you know putting the song together. We had the song. Now it was the fun part. We we done all that already. So now it was just time to get creative, especially with Rupert. I mean, between Rupert and Stephen Taylor, there was no shortage of ideas and uh, you know what to bring to it production-wise. Mm -hmm. So uh, it left a lot of time to do that. But yeah, I think we could all agree that there was something, something different about this one that that we couldn't put our finger on it, but but there was something something going on for sure.
do you recall any particular input that Rupert Hine had that um, sort of put a different kind of stamp on the album or, or did he just, well, was he just there to I get mean, the he best was, out? He, 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 yeah, he was there to get the best out of everybody. He had some ideas along the way. Um, but as a vocalist, uh, yeah, I, one specific one, I've told the story a few times, well, more than a few times, uh, but uh, for example, we were doing Wind Him Up. I was doing the vocal for Wind Him Up and it was all done. Uh, and there's the quiet section in the middle where it breaks down and I sing it an octave lower, just wind him up, he can stop. And we did it and we were listening back to it. And this is like the last thing we did in the evening that day. We listened back to it and thought, yeah, yeah it's pretty good. And, and then Rupert said, you know, it's not quite, you know, what, what, what I'm hearing uh, as the approach to the, to, to, from your, your performance. Let's leave it for tonight. And we'll try it again, maybe first thing in the morning when you know your voice is slightly different or maybe a little bit gruffer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll try it that way. I said, okay. And the next morning, I'm guessing it was about 8.30, nine o'clock in the morning. I'm sleeping in my bed, which is right across the parking lot. It's Farmyard Studios, the farmyard, the, the barn being the, the, you know, the live room and studio. And the stables were converted into the, uh, the accommodation. So uh, right across the, uh, as I say, the parking lot, uh, I'm in my bed. I hear something and the door opens. I just, you know, barely open my eyes. And I hear my door opens and in comes the, um, the assistant with uh, a boom and the mic attached and the cables and headphones. And he reached down, he put the headphones on my head. Well, I, my head's still on the pillow at this point. <laughs> and he took the boom, brought the mic down in front of me and I'm just laying there. And then I hear, <laughs> I hear Stephen Taylor's voice going, morning, Michael. Uh, morning, Stephen. Right, you know the part, I was uh, four bars before, just sing along when you know where you are. Uh, all right. <laughs> so the track came up and it got to that section and I just sang it maybe two or three times. Uh, and, and I didn't even think about it. I just, you know, wind him up because I just woke up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he says, all right, that'll do it. <laughs> Two minutes later, the assistant came in, took all the stuff, closed the door, and I just lay there going, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I did it just happen. So I put my house coat on and went across, and there's Rupert and, and Stephen sitting there. I said, oh, good morning. I said, uh, check it out. I said, okay. And he played it back, and I thought, son of a bitch. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly what he was looking for, and I can see what he was looking for. And there's no way that you can simulate that, Right. Make mm-hmm. it sound like you just woke up. And he's thinking, well, let's get him when he just woke up, but don't <laughs> tell him because then he won't prepare for it. So.
that's that's the kind of thing that that, that the, the the and the other scary thing about working with Rupert and Stephen, I'll never forget this. Watching, you know, standing back you know, behind the uh, the console, and they're sitting there, listening to something, and they stop the track, and you just see Rupert turn his head towards Stephen, and Stephen looks back at him. Not a word was exchanged. And they just like a nod. Stephen leaned forward, and he adjusted something. They played it again. Then they looked at each other and, and Rupert just went, and I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, they were so uh, in tune with one another about how to get certain things that it went beyond even having to speak. He just, it was a look, I guess he gave him. He said, we need more of that, you know? So, uh, but it, and to me, it was like, whoa, this is otherworldly, man. Yeah. Um, but it was stuff like that. And, yeah, having me sit on a, on a beam in the live room about 40 feet in the air to do on the loose because he wanted a sense of angst, you know. So. Yeah, get a little more tension. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, it, of course, at that time, one of the necessary evils of, of being uh, in music was making music videos. So what was it like for you as a singer to have to become a video star? <laughs> I thought, I mean, when we first did, you know, when it was first proposed, uh, you know, we got to do, uh, hey guys, we're going to do a, a music video. We're like, like, what's that kind of thing? Well, the idea being, you know, you, you'll, you'll mime the song as if you're performing it for ha one half of it is that, and the other half would be like a little movie, like a storyline. And we're like, what? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was, uh, the, 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 um, the, the cool thing about it was that uh, MTV was, I mean, just starting out and we already had two videos in, in the can. So, so whoever suggested this and probably management at the time and between the re record company and management, they got ahead of the curve. So we had content uh, and because MTV didn't have a lot, we slid in there right at the beginning. So we got tr amazing amount of airplay uh, to, you know, to push on the loose and mind, especially on the loose. Mm -hmm um so it was, it was great that way but i mean it, it you know suddenly like you say you suddenly have to be a, an actor as it were and it's it's it, it <laughs> at first i found it a bit corny yeah <laughs> i look i look back now like that confirms my, my feeling. <laughs> but yeah. uh you know it was it was it was it was a necessary and very very useful tool and still is i mean look what it's become it's it's almost all about that it's it, it the, the song is almost secondary in the meantime when yeah. you, you look at some of the videos out there but yeah i can I, I can imagine you looking back at yourself being aldo in the, the wind him up video <laughs> oh that was fun yeah, yeah that was fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So you did Rupert, you did have Rupert Hine again um, for Heads or Tails, and you, <laughs> yep. you went to the same place. And I mean, the, the album to me is a very, I think, qualitatively, it's it's not much different than Worlds Apart, but very different reception, at least here in the U.S. What do you, what do you attribute that to? Is that just, is that radio play or is that I have, well, else? yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, um... I have a theory about that and it's not, you know, throwing stones or, or, or pointing fingers and that kind of thing. But I think there's a, what happens is when you have a, a successful album, uh, very, you know, quite successful album, like world's part and a couple of hit singles off of it, when it's time to re, you know, deliver the next one, I think there's a, an expectation from the record company. Uh, they're just doing their jobs um, 
that that you can deliver an album that's as good as the one before it, the one that was the big hit in that. But unless it's this much better, it, 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 the enthusiasm of, of of receiving it isn't like it was with Worlds Apart because um, you know you, you've just got to really like really top it. But but the fact of the matter is, it was it, it could have been a double album almost, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Worlds Apart and and and, uh, and Heads or Tails. So it, it was as strong an album in its own way, I think, and a lot of people agree. But I think. And it wasn't a matter of dropping the ball. I understand their point. Um, uh, and if you don't have that enthusiasm from the record company and, the, and, and they're right behind you, they still, you know, pushed it in that, but not in the same way that they did Worlds Apart. I say it's not throwing stones or, or pointing fingers it's just the way it was and uh you know it was just a uh, uh i guess the way it was perceived just like oh yeah this record's okay well no uh because you were expecting another world's apart you you've got one but you want to have uh you want it to have the same kind of impact that world's apart had but but because that's already done that with world's apart you can't, you can't there's no way to to, to to do that you know so right you're not making I, on the loose part two no no and if you're if you're expecting that although you it could be another song that right. that could be as strong like the i don't know flyer or or whatever but but again you know if you're expecting worlds apart part two this isn't it in terms of your excitement level yeah. Also, because it was brand new to you, uh, the band was brand new to you, and uh, you know, so. you never forget you were, your first time. You're, you're, there's always there a bigger association <laughs> with your first time, you know. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe, but it's it's also been uh, a while since your solo album Clear came out, and uh, was until 2001, uh, five and or something like uh, early 2000s. Back then, it, back then. I, with Saga being a prolific band with more than 20 albums out there is is that why there weren't more michael sadler solo albums or probably were you just yeah. too busy yeah i mean uh, it took me better part of eight or nine years to make clear and that's because of that it's because i was um what i was doing uh, uh, solo wise uh was completely secondary to saga and it was just finding you know moments of time to be able to work on it so i'd do a month here and then two months there mm-hmm. sometimes a year and a half would go by and i did nothing um and and I think it was kind of cool doing it that way because I would you know that time would go by then I'd revisit it and listen to some things and just oh you know that's that's not quite right yet and 
but yeah, it, it's it's finding the time to do it. I have material that I'm ready to um, ready to start, you know, at least considering recording for part mm -hmm. two. The way I see it is like almost like a trilogy, and 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 it's a three album uh, package because Clear is about well, the song specifically Clear is about uh, <laughs> Clear was I, I I'm an alcoholic that has been uh, sober for coming up on 20 years. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, and Clear, the song, was the first song I wrote after I got out of rehab. I did the whole rehab thing. When I look back now, it's a wonder I'm still standing, considering the damage that I've done. These days I can't help but grin I finally gave in So let the healing begin I'm the back I wanted to call the album clear and specifically that song and it, it's addressing that uh part two about what it's like being clear because there's an adjustment you have to make because suddenly you're not you know using and you know whatever it is, whatever your poison was you're not doing that anymore so you have a whole different way to look at life and how you behave in that so it, i want to treat number two like that and then three wrap things up ideally is what i'd like to do so we'll okay. see what happens We've also lent your voice to many musical projects mm -hmm. over the years. There's a, a new Alan Simon uh, album, Excalibur 5, that came out. How did you get involved with uh, with Alan? My first, uh, actually, this is Six Degrees of Separation, uh, John Wetton, the Excalibur live show um, was about to go. I was on tour with Saga at the time. I was in Oslo, Norway, and I checked in the hotel. And like I always do, open the laptop to check messages and that. And I had a message from uh, the management, I guess Alan's management in England, and explained the whole thing. And John was supposed to be uh, uh, King Arthur in the newest production they were about to take out in about three or four months, like uh, early in the, the following year. And and I was reading it going, what, 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 what? He said, because of, of John's illness, uh, he had to pull out. Mm. Um, and would you be interested in, you know, the the role of King Arthur? I was like, uh, when do we start? You know, uh, it was like, but it was bittersweet because um, I knew what was happening with John. And and uh, John had, had his uh, battles with, with alcohol as well. So we had a common common ground uh, and and uh, we became fairly close because of that and, and, and music and that kind of thing but suffice to say it was like i knew that he was was ill and getting the gig because of that was like oh you know obviously well, on one hand i was really excited about it on the other hand i was like eh, 
it's kind of you know, as I say, it was bittersweet. But uh, yeah. when I found out that apparently John had uh, said publicly that he thought uh, that I was a really good choice for it, I thought, well, you know, I got his endorsement. That took you know some of the the, the, the bittersweet part of it away. So. Yeah, and and from then on, um, then Alan turned to me for for uh, other projects, and uh, it's just been that way. So I, I think if he does another Excalibur, he's talking about taking this new Excalibur on the road again. So there's a chance I'll I'll be going out again with them. So right. I I love doing outside projects because it yeah. takes me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, you know, you you do the same thing all the time with this song, even though you change. You know, it's it's quite a variety of of, of <laughs> ways of singing, and that uh, in, in saga tracks from one track and one album to the other, um, it's still within not the, the confines of parameters of saga, but it's it's still saga asking, and you're thinking that way when you sing and perform. But when you do outside projects, it's really you know someone has an idea of what they want to hear. Sometimes that you have to adhere very closely to what they you know want or expect they know what they're getting because they know you know what my voice sounds like but they have a, a clear idea of how the melody and this and that should go and you know those times it's like okay you, know, you deliver exactly what they want um with maybe a little bit of uh of uh of, of your ideas or whatever mm -hmm. and sometimes you're handed something and say do what you want it's like well wait a minute <laughs> you gotta give me give me some kind of starting point here you know yeah. But um, but it's fun. I mean, it, like I say, it gives me a chance to sing in different ways than that. Uh, much like doing project where I'm, I'm you know, doing different vocalists and from different, uh, you know, different bands. So, um, yeah, it's a chance to 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 spread my uh, my repertoire and, and test my talents, I guess. As it yeah. Is that something that you go into your home studio and you record it and you send the send the tracks in? Pretty. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Another thing that you did was a, a very interesting project. It was um, it was a musical accompaniment <laughs> for a series of novels by Kevin J. Anderson. It was a, the band was called Roswell Six, and the, the books were Terra Incognita. I got the first one right here. There you go. And I really like this album, and I especially like the song you did, "Letters in a Bottle." I th that mm -hmm. was probably my favorite track on there. Trusted to the sea, born on the waves that surround me. May the currents and the tides be merciful guides and bring this 
this letter to you How did you get involved with Roswell 6? I think that was through a gentleman named Sean Gordon, who okay. um, at Prog Rock Records at the time. Yep. Um, I believe that was the introduction to, to Kevin Anderson and, and the, whole, uh, the whole recording. I think Eric Norlander had a lot to do with uh, the music of, of, of the album, as far as I remember. Yes. Um, and they, I think Sean contacted me and said, there's one, explained the whole project to me. He said, there's one track that, uh, you know, we or whoever thinks that would suit your voice. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's where that came from. But uh, that, that's what usually happens. I'm, I'll just get a call out of the blue. And, and someone will, will generally say, uh, I've got a song that I think would suit your voice. Not, you know, uh, because contrary to popular belief, I can't sing just everything. <laughs> Some things just don't sound right with me singing it. And that's just the way it is. Case in point, I always thought the Cars song, uh, Drive, one of the most beautiful ballads ever written and the lyrics and the whole thing about it. And I thought I'd, I'd, I'd love to try that. And um, I got a friend to, to do like an acoustic version of it, kind of stripped down version of it. I thought this would be really nice to sing. Mm -hmm. um, so I did it. And I sang it. I sang the notes and I sang it like me. I listened back to it. And I went, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work with my voice for some reason. And and and, and that's just the way it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't happen often, uh, but 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 it it does happen. So I, you know, I I I I, I think I've only turned down one or two things over the years, and it's only because I thought that um, I'm not the right one for you. I don't think I'm going to do the song justice. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not in love with the song, but if, if, I don't, if I don't feel really strongly about the song or what I'm going to sing, I'm not going to give you my best performance. I'm just going to give you what you want to hear, you know, but not give it that extra, like an extra harmony here and there, or, you know, stack up some vocals in the chorus and that, because I'm not vested in the song. Yeah. The more vested I am, the more I'm going to be, you know, bring me to the table. So if I hear something and I just go, eh, it's an OK song. And, and quite frankly, you know, yeah, I think you'd be better off with someone else or whatever. Uh, I, I do that. It just saves time. And it just, you know, the, 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 the person who thought they were going to hire me is going to end up in a better place, I think, if, if, than if they, you know, gone through with it and then it's too late in the day they've got it recorded and go well you know it doesn't really suit his voice but we've got it now so mm -hmm. ultimately it's to serve the song of course it is it, it's always about that you know yeah. as far as i'm concerned so i recently had the pleasure of having rachel flowers on the program and i know oh. that you, you know rachel and work with rachel how did yeah. you two meet up and, and record together ah uh. I had heard about her because of, uh, I think, Progstock or Cruise to the Edge she was on also. But I had not heard her play. I had not seen her do her thing. And, uh, and then uh, we were going to do um, uh, Progstock, or sorry, um, the, the festival in New Jersey. Yeah. Progstock, sorry. Uh, sorry, Tom. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I always liked the idea of doing uh, a cover of Nights of White Satin. Uh, I had a chance to see her perform, and then I thought to myself, and I was talking about it with my wife, 
And I said, you know, what, what might be really cool is to do a, um, a, a version of, of Nights of White Satin, just piano and voice, but not just anybody playing piano, her playing piano uh, and voice. And we, uh, you know, we approached her about it, um, got in touch with her privately and she said, yeah. So she recorded a version of it, sent it to me and I listened to it and was like, whoa. I mean, it's it, the funny thing about listening to her play it is that you don't miss anything. You don't miss any of the orchestration. You just, everything's there. And I'm thinking, how are you doing this with just <laughs> two hands and a piano? But somehow nothing is lacking. And I've always loved to do that. So I recorded a, a, a proper version of it in, in Germany uh, years ago. I did four tracks of, of uh, a Moody Blues album. And that was one of them. And I and my range and Justin's are, are, are the sweet spot, as it called, that, that area in between uh, the, you know, the extreme highs and lows are very similar. So it, it was easy to sing the song for me. And I loved the song anyway. So she delivered me that version of it. And I, and I sang on it, recorded it. Uh, we made a little three-song EP about it uh, that we put out. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a chance to perform it live uh, with her uh, at, at Progstock. And it, it, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, for us, the audience apparently really, really liked it. But uh, for me, it's like when I had a chance to first do Rendezvous 602. It's just, it's just right. I love singing with just piano because it's so much more expressive. And the vocalist and the and the the, the pianist are, are playing off one another, and it's and it's great, especially for the song like Nice White Satin. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, I'd love to do. I'd like to do some original material with with uh, Rachel, and we talked about that. But, uh, it's finding the time and and coordinating our our schedules to do that. So yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Michael, what is the status of saga right now what's what's coming next what what's the deal we have we have all those shows that i'm looking at on the screen um apparently the the restrictions and 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 covid protocols are such that it looks as though fingers crossed uh there's a tour planned there's a bunch of dates to uh, i mean from the you're talking about uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Between twenty and thirty shows that are booked right now. Um, there's a list of them that you can see on. At, if you go to sagagen.com, uh, uh, there's a list of the the tour dates for 2022. But uh, it looks like things are. <laughs> I was going to say getting back to normal. I don't think they will ever get back to what was normal. I think there's a new norm. But yeah, uh, right now the plan is to get out there and do all these shows. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, and and plus now I have to kind of, I've got project as well, so I'm kind of fitting the two together. So I'm going to be extremely busy next year if all goes well, and then the COVID uh, protocols stay the way they are right now, where uh, apparently shows are taking place. Although yeah. it's such a, a an evolving thing that day to day it, it it's it's changing. So. Yeah. It's still a matter of crossing our fingers, but right now we've got a lot of shows on. Uh, hey, it's been since the beginning of 2020. We've got a lot of people that we got to say hello to. We miss yeah. you guys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fingers yeah, crossed. Ready. Fingers yeah, crossed yeah. you can get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Sadler, it has been an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time being on Michael's Record Collection, and best of luck with Project. I can't wait to Thank see you guys in April. Thank you. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's been my pleasure, man.
Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.